It's good to be back from vacation. Thank you for the messages I received, for your prayers, and the congratulations from people who said, you need a vacation. I'm not sure what that means, but maybe I looked. But I enjoyed my vacation. But I got news for you. I love my church. And I'm not, that's not just a slogan. I love my church. You know, we live in turbulent times. Somebody would say interesting times. No, turbulent times. I think there is more division, more anger, more distrust, more arguments, less peace in our day than at any time in my life. But this is a place that is like no other place. When we come here and come into the presence of God and into our fellowship with one another, there's no place like this place, so this must be the place. And I am indeed glad that you're here this morning. You know, it is not pleasing to God that we live with such hatred, division, and turbulence. Jesus paid the price for freedom. He paid the price for peace. He came to His disciples and said, My peace I give unto you. Not like the world gives, I give to you. He wants us to have peace, and He wants us to have joy. This week and next week, I'll be speaking on the path to a peaceful heart and a peaceful mind. This week, specifically, we're talking about the formula and the Word of God for a peaceful heart. Paul said, from the prison cell, okay, in chains, Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Lord, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for the peace that you offer. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts and move by your Spirit today to give us peaceful hearts and peaceful minds. Lord, I pray that you would move in this service, that you would touch and change lives by your gospel, by your Spirit. And Father, we will glorify you and we will praise you for everything you do in the service today. In Jesus' name, amen. We're speaking to you today about the path to a peaceful heart from Philippians chapter 4, verses, uh, verse 4 through 7. And just because of the words that are used, I'm choosing to use the Christian Standard Bible. That's the translation that I'm looking at this morning and read to you. Notice in the verses, 
He says, choose joy. You say, where does it say that? Well, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. You know, if He commands us to rejoice, Brother, that means he, that's His intention, that's His plan for us. And Casey, that means we have a choice. We have a choice. Just like in the Old Testament, He says, I'm placing before you life or death. Life or death. Choose life. Now listen, I don't know what's going on in your background and in your life. I know that we have people in this congregation who've gone through some very difficult times. We have women in our congregation who've gone through sexual abuse. We have husbands and wives in our congregations who've suffered through the devastation of losing a mate by death, of going through the devastation of divorce. That we have all kinds. We have people in our congregation who have suffered addiction which is near death. It is slavery. And I don't know what's in your background, but I would say to you the same thing that God said to Moses and the nation of Israel, choose life. Choose life. You don't have to be a victim. One of the things, Sam, that's wrong in our day is that everybody's a victim. I've been oppressed. People have been unkind to me. Bad things have happened to me. If you live in victimhood all your life, you will never know the joy of Jesus Christ, and you will never have the peace of God in your heart. Choose joy. Now, Charles E. e. Swearingen, years ago in the camp in Florida, I heard him preach about this passage, and he said, Paul, by the power of the Spirit of God, said, rejoice in the Lord always. And he looked around. He looked at the jail cell, the dungeon that he was in. He looked at the bars. He looked at that ugly Roman soldier chained to his left hand. He looked at that ugly Roman soldier to his right, and there was no such thing as a handsome Roman soldier, okay? They were mean, they were big, they were burly, they were ugly, they were cruel. But he looked at all of that, and then he said, and again, I say, rejoice. Joy is a choice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. You know, I've, I've quoted this to you already, and that's Deuteronomy 30, 19. I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now, you have a choice. You can choose the curses. You can choose anger. You can choose resentment. And we have a whole segment of our population, and do I dare say off to the left, that chooses anger, curses, animosity, victimhood. You can choose curses, or you can choose blessings. It's a choice. Which one are you going to choose? Choose life. 
Your life is not over just because something devastating, something difficult has happened to you. Choose to live. Choose life. Living the victorious life in Christ is a choice. Choose life and choose joy. It's a choice and it's up to you. Now, what that means is, the natural result of that is, joy is independent of your circumstances. Just like I said, Paul wrote this. He said, rejoice in the Lord always, and he wrote that from a prison cell. Now, Paul, if there's any place I would have trouble rejoicing, I've never been in jail except as a visitor. And even then, when, when that door closed behind me, Sandy, my heart just about stopped. I just about, Laura just about said, I want out now, not later. I want out now. I can't imagine being locked in a cell. But your joy is not dependent upon your circumstances. Circumstances do not determine our emotions, our feelings, our happiness, our joy, our reaction. Our attitude toward those circumstances does. Now, if I were Robert Francis, and I'm not, I wish, but Robert would say to you, there's the A and the C, and most people go from the A to the C. You know what the A is? It's the, it's the circumstances. It's what happens to you. And you go directly to a reaction, and you say, he made me do that. She made me do that. By the way, that's one of the major problems in marriage. He made me do that. She made me do that. Nope. You had a choice. There is a B in between A and C. You get to evaluate the event and your attitude toward what happened and how you evaluate it depends on your reaction and your emotions. You must not allow your emotions to control you. You must control your emotions. You have a choice. You can become angry. You can become bitter. You can... Be a victim, or you can make the right choice and find your joy in Jesus. Choose joy, because real joy is from Jesus. Notice this, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. You, listen, if you're looking for your joy in your husband or your wife, and you're expecting them to provide your joy, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Listen, in the past 51 years, I've lived with five different women. And they were all Brenda. <laughs> and the one that's Brenda now, this version of her, is the best ever. Now, I could elaborate on that in ten different ways, but we'd all be embarrassed, and so I won't. But none of them, including the present one, is perfect. And if I'm depending on my lovely young wife 
to give me joy. Don't laugh, Kelly. I have to introduce her anymore as my daughter. I mean, if, if I'm dependent on her or anyone else to provide me with joy, it's not going to happen. Your joy is in Jesus. Sir, if you're looking at your job, your occupation to provide you with joy, you're going to be disappointed. Things are not going to go well at times. And then there comes the day I was deciding which of my men to, to point out. And there's a bunch of them I could, but I won't. There's going to be a day you retire. Then what are you going to do? All my joy was in my job, and I just have lost my identity, and I'll never be happy again. It's because your joy was in the wrong place. You say, well, my joy is my children. Oh, no, my grandchildren. Aren't they grand? Yes, they are, but they cannot be your soil source of joy not only are my kids grown and gone my grandchildren goodness sake are adults saw my youngest tim's daughter jordan the other day <sighs> she was wearing makeup <laughs> i'm not ready for that if your joy is in your children what are you going to do when they leave home? If your joy is in your grandchildren, what are you going to do when they grow up? Listen, your joy is in Jesus. And if your joy is in anyone else or anything else, you're going to be disappointed. In fact, I would be even more bold than that. If your source of joy is anyone or anything but Jesus, that's idolatry. And that's dangerous. Listen, Jesus wants to give you joy. In John, I, don't, I didn't put the verse up, but in John chapter 17, Todd, when he was praying with his disciples between the upper room and the garden, that's, that's the context of John 17, if you hadn't figured it out. They're on the path, and He's still teaching. He doesn't have long left, and He's still teaching. And He said, Father, I have given them My words. I've spoken these things to them so that they can have the fullness of My joy. Choose joy and understand your joy is in Jesus or you will not be joyful. I need to say this too. If you don't know Jesus, you need a source of joy. You need to come to Christ. Because real joy, lasting joy, is in Jesus Christ. And you need to come to Jesus. I would pray over this service, the movement of the Spirit of God and His power and His conviction that those who do not know Christ would be so heartbroken they wouldn't even wait till the sermon's over. They would come and grab Todd and say, Pastor, I need to be saved. 
or come at the end of the service and say, Pastor, I need to be saved. Understand, without Christ, without Jesus, you have no power for joy in your life. Joy is in Jesus Christ. Be gracious. Choose joy. Be gracious. Be gracious. It says in the verse, verse 5, let your graciousness, other translations say your gentleness. That's graciousness. Be gracious. Let your graciousness be known. It's not just thought about. It's acted out. If you fall into the trap of this world's philosophy, you will not be gracious. You will be mean. You will be selfish. You'll be arrogant. You don't believe it, just watch the news. No, don't. I will never tell you to watch the news. That's just counterproductive. But you know what I'm talking about. Meanness. Arrogance. We are supposed to be characterized not just that we've been graced. Praise God for the grace of Jesus. Praise God for His great grace. Your graciousness is to be known. It's to be shown. To whom? To everyone. Then he says the Lord is near. But notice this. The Lord is gracious. Let your graciousness. He has graced us so that we can grace others. Now, some of you know that my mother's name was Grace. And it was sort of cool that when I was a teenager, my mother, my mother had a, a beautiful soprano voice. The odd thing is, she could also sing bass. You know, men have that high falsetto voice they can sing with. You don't believe me, just watch AGT. America's Got Talent. They, there's some of those guys who can sing like a woman. But the other thing is, women have a falsetto voice on the lower tones. And my mother could sing bass. I just, I thought that was weird. But the special she would sing, some of you of a certain age will recognize the song, Grace, Grace, Wonderful Grace. Grace that is greater than all my sin. The grace of God is greater than any sin you might have in your life. There is no one here today who cannot be saved, who cannot be forgiven. God's grace is sufficient for all. So great is His grace. But because we have known His grace, He's been gracious to me. I need to be gracious to everyone around me. You will never know the joy of Jesus until you learn to live out His grace to others. People talk about, that church is full of hypocrites. When they tell me that, I said, that's all right, come on, we've got room for one more. <laughs> we need to live out the grace of Jesus Christ. He said the Lord is close by. Did you notice that? 
Jonathan and I tried to figure out, when I, the Lord is near, what does that mean? Well, there's two things it could mean. It could mean the Lord is close by. Now, what that means is Jesus is right here, right now, and He's watching. You think it would help us to live out the grace of God if we remembered all the time, Cheryl, that He is right here, right now, and He's watching us? I think it would. I think we need to remember Jesus is with us. Jesus is close by, and Pam, He's watching. That may make us uncomfortable, but just remember, it's like He's watching over our shoulder. And it, In fact, can I say He's looking through us because, Jamie, He sees our heart. He doesn't just see what we're doing. He sees our heart. He's close by. Be gracious because the Lord is near. That's one possible meaning. The other meaning may be Jesus is coming soon. The Lord is near. He's almost here. He's at the door. He's about to step into this world and change everything. Hey, glory. Even so, come Lord Jesus. I'm ready. I hope you are. Jesus is coming soon. My question is, what do you want Him to say about you when He steps into this earth? When He comes to earth again and you face Him with the life you've lived, what about me? What do I want Jesus to say about how I've treated others? Including those closest to me. Tony, I want to be gracious. I want Him to be able to say of me, I gave you my grace and you shared it with others. You were gracious to other people. Be gracious. The Lord is near. Then He says in the verse, Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. He says, don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Don't worry. We worry way too much. I will confess that this past week has been a very difficult week. I, I wanted to go, Kim, I want to go back on vacation. I had stuff that, you know, my staff did a wonderful job while I was gone. And I suggested to them that maybe it's time for me to just go ahead and make this a permanent vacation. You have never seen such a hard look as Shelley Palmer gave me when I said that. And I turned to Todd, and by the way, when she gave me that look, Todd said, no! Am I lying? No! But I asked Todd, did you see that look she gave me? He said, no, but I felt it. <laughs> That's what he said. But it's been a tough week. The, the Better Dads conference that's coming up is a huge deal. 
And we've received warnings that in the past, those who are against the family, who have an agenda against the family, are probably going to take pot shots at Faith Baptist Church because we've done this conference. Let them shoot. We represent Jesus. Jesus loves His church. Jesus loves this church. And Jesus loves the family. And we're, do, we're going to do what's right regardless. Amen? We're going to do what's right regardless of what the enemy has to say. I will confess it rattled my cage a little bit when I heard how people have been to the Better Dads conferences before. And can I say this? I hope every man in this room will go online this afternoon and sign up for the Better Dads Conference. You know what the qualification is for attending the Better Dads Conference? That you had a dad. That you had a dad. Anybody in here would say, I didn't have a dad? Don't raise your hand, please. If you're a man and you had a dad, want to be a dad, are a dad, granddad, great-grandfather, you need to sign up. I said to my Sunday school class this morning, it would be a shame for our church to put on this conference and the men of the church didn't come. We need you here. We need you to hear what Mark Clements has got to say because I think Todd said, there's no man who cannot improve. That includes me. Tell God. Don't worry. Tell God. I will confess as your pastor that about 4 a.m. three nights ago, I just said, Lord, all these things that are going on, all of it is in your hand. Tell God. That's what he says. And everything through prayer, tell God what's going on. The Bible says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. You, you know, women have a tendency to want to unload. And years ago, Brenda and I had to come to an agreement because she would come and we would go to bed and she would unload all the things on her mind. And Catherine, she would fall fast asleep. And I'm laying there like, because now all of that's on me, and I can't let it go. She would go to sleep because she unloaded. Now I'm loaded down. And I would say to her, please, just tell the Lord. <laughs> he can handle it. And He cares. Listen, don't miss this. This is no joke. You can tell God because He cares about what's going on in your life. He understands and He cares for you. I'm not saying your husband doesn't care, but God can handle it a lot better than your husband can. God can handle it a lot better than your wife can. Tell God. Turn your worries over to Him. Then it says, ask God, but in everything through prayer and petition. That is by specific request. Lord, give us a great 
Better Dads Conference. May it be life-changing. That's our goal, right? To be a life-changing church. May it be life-changing. Ask God. And then, here's the hard one. Leave it with God. Through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And as a result of doing that, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Somebody said on Facebook, when we worry about something we've already prayed about, we're saying we don't think God can handle it without us. It's lack of faith. That, that stabbed me right here. Give it to God and leave it with God. And I've got to hurry. One other thing. Be grateful. Be grateful. Notice that it says, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Listen, we have so much to be thankful for. Amen? We have so much to be thankful for. We ought to make a running list. I've, I've told you about the missionary wife who was staying in the mission house. and I, they, She was really struggling. And I said, go home, put a piece of paper on the refrigerator. Before you put it up, write down everything you can think of that you're thankful for. Put it on the fridge. And every time you think of something else, write it on there. She did that. The very next day, and for the days following, she noticed other things were on the list. Her children. She didn't say anything to the kids about it, but her children came along and wrote on her list the things that they were thankful for. It's life-changing. Keep a list. Be grateful. Listen, gratitude pleases God. Through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God. Gratitude is life-changing. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Case in dealing and counseling with people with addictions, gratitude has been one of the most life-changing things. In people who are suffering as victims that the answer is gratitude to God. To think about all that He has done for you. Gratitude and attitude of gratitude is absolutely life-changing. Listen, God wants you to have peace. God wants you to have joy. He's paid for that. He gave His life as a price for your peace and your joy. You want to have that? Choose Jesus. Choose Jesus. Choose Him as Savior of your life. Admit to God that you cannot get to heaven without Jesus, without trusting in Him. Admit to God that you need joy. You need peace. Ask Him for that peace. 